Bird King. WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. ran a poll today. Is Antonio Brown a good guy? And most people vote yes, and that's because most people have never met Antonio Brown. But can anyone cite even one shred of evidence that suggests Antonio Brown is a good guy? Because that would be hard to prove in courts. A.B. sometimes acts nice when there's a camera present, but he's a dick. A.B. apologized to the writer he threatened, uh, but not really. The Steelers organization apologized to the writer on behalf of Antonio Brown. There was a statement released, which means A.B. ain't sorry. A.B. never really apologized to Ed Bouchette of the Post-Gazette for calling that a racist. A.B. just said, uh, are, are we okay? A.B. is the best receiver in football. But he's an absolute jerk. Could you imagine Antonio Brown dropping off Steelers season tickets the way Sid and the Penguins do? A.B. would show up five hours late and knock up the family's 18-year-old daughter. I laugh when people say A.B.'s a good guy because there's no evidence. That's why A.B. threatened that writer because his story on the undefeated website captured the real Antonio Brown. This is the Mark Madden Show. Hockey is almost upon us, and that's what matters most. I will be live tomorrow from the first day of Penguins training camp. That's at the Lemieux Complex in Cranberry. But right now I'm not, and that sucks. So let's get today over with. The number to call is 412-333-WXDX, or follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. I posted a video of Gregory Polanco hurting himself, sliding. Check it out on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. Polanco hurt his left shoulder and his left knee. Needed shoulder surgery. Don't forget that's his throwing shoulder. And Polanco may be out into next season. I ask again, how do you play baseball your whole life and not know how to slide? But Polanco doesn't know how to run the bases or play the outfield either. If it wasn't for just an overwhelming talent for the game, El Cafe might be a barista somewhere. Everybody's picking Kansas City to beat the Steelers. That's Sunday at Heinz Field. That's usually when the Steelers win, so don't be worried. But like Colin Coward said, the Steelers are a mess. Everybody sees that except the dopes here in Pittsburgh. The Steelers are rattled. That's been a plentiful evidence recently. And if it doesn't straighten out, you have to question the leadership. But like I've always said about the Steelers, about that locker room, it's tough to lead when too many others don't want to follow. I am very sincere when I say this isn't a football thing. It's not a personnel thing. It's not even an execution thing. 
The Steelers need to get their heads out their rectum. If the Steelers do that, stuff like execution takes care of itself. But I'm not sure that's going to happen. This team's culture is all over the place. Sunday's game will really tell a story. The Steelers really need a win, and they really need to push the reset button. And if you think it's too early to talk about hitting the reset button, watch that game at Cleveland one more time. And the Steelers obviously need a a great game from Ben against Kansas City. Ben needs to push the reset button. But there's never been anybody better doing that. Ben, after a bad game, just moves on right away. Nobody better at that. A bunch of people are already tweeting at me about A.B. I don't care if he's a good guy. He just needs to catch footballs. Yeah, and he's great at that. But A.B.'s a horse's ass. And he's the worst kind of horse's ass. He's a phony. He's a poser. At least James Harrison always acts like James Harrison. Uh, Doug Marone is the Jacksonville coach. You remember Jacksonville. They eliminated the Steelers last year. Anyway, Marone refuses to watch the Super Bowl because he's never been in one. Not just last year's Super Bowl. He claims he hasn't watched the Super Bowl since he was 12 years old. That's what Marone says. I call BS on that one. The entire country watches the Super Bowl. But an NFL coach going to say he don't? Like I said, I call BS. I bet Marone watches the Super Bowl every year. And he has a giant bondage S&M sex orgy at halftime. And it's mandatory for members of his coaching staff. I'd like to get some Penguins talk going. Like I said yesterday, the Penguins are loaded. And not just up front. They're loaded in the back and in goal. It's so funny that the Toronto Maple Leafs are Stanley Cup favorites now in Vegas when their top defensive pair is Morgan Riley and Ron Hainsey, and they got Freddie Anderson in goal. F-O-H. That's nuts. So why are they Stanley Cup favorites? Because they signed John Tavares, who won one playoff series in nine seasons? Ha! That's hilarious. It's down to the Penguins and Caps. Again, like always, whoever wins that series is the real Stanley Cup favorite. And everything between now and then is just the buildup to that series. Then again, maybe San Jose is the new Stanley Cup favorite. Moments ago, San Jose got defenseman Eric Carlson in a trade with Ottawa. San Jose now has Carlson, Burns, and Vlasic in their top four defense. Uh, The Sharks gave up a bunch of prospects, a first-round pick, a second-round pick, and two conditional picks. That's a big haul to give up for a guy with one year left in his deal. The Sharks must feel very confident they can sign Carlson long-term. Carlson, Burns, and Vlasic in the top four. That's either going to work great or it'll be too many cooks. I mean, think about that. Burns, Vlasic, and Carlson on one team. Wow, but 
Who's going to play defense? I mean, Burns and Carlson, they're pretty much wingers who just get the puck a little further back than a normal wing. They're both defensemen who just chase the puck all over the place. I don't know if you could have two of those on the same team. And I do feel bad for their partners, Vlasic being one of those, obviously. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Oh, another hockey note, Tyler Sagan, who I'm a big fan of, signed a long-term deal with Dallas. He's now committed to the Stars through 2025. Sagan's a great player, but Dallas is spending a ton of money keeping together the nucleus of a team that missed the playoffs last year and has missed the postseason for three of the last four years. Here's some news that makes me overjoyed and roll my eyes at the same time. After breaking up and doing a farewell tour in 2015, Motley Crue are back. They're in the studio with producer Bob Rock. And singer Vince Neal says they are recording a brand new track, four, excuse me, four brand new tracks. He denies that they're going to play live again, but could a comeback tour be far behind? Yo, you knew those guys were going to run out of money. Not just one, but all four probably. I'd be thrilled if Motley came back, but Vince needs to drop some weight. You need to look the part too. And now Hart's going to come back too. But I think Ann Wilson looks great just the way she is. That's how it is now, you know. Vince Neil and Ann Wilson are both bloated, grotesque parodies of themselves. Can't say that about Ann Wilson. You can't say that about Vince Neil. You know, if I started identifying as a woman, nobody could make fun of me being fat ever again. That's food for thought. By the way, um... It is not out of the question that Crew is just reforming to record these four songs and won't tour because there's a rumor that their autobiography, The Dirt, which is the best rock and roll book ever written, by the way, uh, The Dirt is going to be made into a movie, and it's being rumored that these four new songs will be for The Dirt soundtrack. To confirm something I mentioned yesterday... Congratulations to Ric Flair on his fifth marriage, this time to the lovely Wendy Barlow, formerly known as Fifi the French Maid on WCW-TV. Rick and Wendy are my favorite couple. They're family to me. I wish them all the best. Space Mont might be the oldest ride in the park, but it still has the longest lines. Woo! We got Jerry Dulac. He's going to be a weekly feature. He joins at 3.30. Josh Yoey, he's already a weekly feature. He joins me at 4.30. And later in the show, I'll tell you about a new weekly feature that debuts tomorrow and will continue during hockey season. If you want to hit, we have performed together before. One memorable time at Zuki's Wings up in Beaver. Ah, to go to Zuki's again. Maybe we will. 412-333-9939. In a few minutes, we're going to talk about what's going on with James Washington. What's going on with the Steelers 
number three receiver spot. Ray Fittipaldo wrote a story in the Post-Gazette about that today, but I got a few questions. 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, I think you're absolutely hilarious. It's an acquired taste. You, you have the answer, Mark. Thank you. Wait, I wasn't done insulting you. The X at 105.9. I got the NFL Network out of my office. Brian Billick, the former Ravens coach, looks more every day like former United States President George H.W. Bush. The resemblance is striking. Here's some more details on that deal that sent Eric Carlson from Ottawa to San Jose. Uh, I misspoke before. Two of the players that went back to Ottawa were prospects. Two are uh, guys who played a regular shift in NHL last year. This DeMello guy on defense, who's a ham and egger. Chris Tierney, the center, he went back to Ottawa. He's not too bad. 17 goals and 23 assists in 82 games. And like I said, a first-round pick and a second-round pick and two conditional draft picks. So the Sharks are all in for uh, 2018-19. The two conditional picks are based on whether or not San Jose can sign Carlson long-term after this season. Would you stay there if you're Carlson? Or would you test free agency after all this waiting and anticipation? I guess it would depend on what kind of deal you could get, but you're only one season away from free agency. It's not that long to wait. Then again, you could get hurt. I hope he calls up Le'Veon Bell's agent, Adisa Bakari, or maybe Le'Veon himself for advice. I talked before about uh, what if the Steelers dropped off tickets to season ticket holders like the Penguins do. Seriously, could you imagine that? Lev Bell would steal Grandpa's medicinal marijuana. Uh, a little Steeler talk. Ray Fittipaldo wrote a story in the Post-Gazette about the Steelers' search for a number three receiver. Now, why isn't that James Washington? Why was Justin friggin' Hunter out there for 51 friggin' snaps at Cleveland. If there's an explanation, I would love to hear it. You drafted Washington especially for that job. Why can't Washington just go out and do it? The Steelers think you need a penicillin shot if you play a rookie very much. They think it gives you the clap. System, system, system. Learn, learn, learn. But this is Justin Hunter's sixth year in the NFL, and he has only 83 catches. If Hunter's learned very much, he sure hasn't found a way to put that knowledge to much use. And right now, after one training camp, four preseason games, and one regular season game, I guarantee James Washington is better. So use him. Of course, Vance McDonald skews the whole receiving equation by always being hurt. The Steelers ditched Ladarius Green and then got the white Ladarius Green. Uh, here's a great Penguins note. 40 years ago today, Penguins defenseman Tom Edger retired from hockey at 23. After just two NHL seasons, only half a season with the Penguins, 
They traded with Colorado, the Rockies, for Edger. And then after just a half season with the Penguins, he retired from hockey at age 23 to dedicate his life to the Jehovah's Witnesses. No kidding. The Jehovah's Witnesses. Edger went to Estonia to fulfill his duty and never played hockey again. He was pretty good, too, but that's how it was for the Penguins back then. Coincidentally, that same year, Penguins Vice President Tom McMillan left the Jehovah's Witnesses and joined the Army of Northern Virginia. Uh, The NHL suspended Austin Watson of Nashville for 27 games after he pleaded no contest to domestic violence. That's a third of the season for those without a calculator. That's a stiff punishment, but I like it. The NHL suspended Slava Voinov indefinitely in 2014 for domestic violence. Voinov has since played in the KHL in his native Russia and is now seeking reinstatement to the NHL. The NFL should take note. The NHL doesn't have a specific domestic violence policy, but when the league does act, it is severe. 412-333-9939. Got a lot of Steeler talk coming today. Jerry Dulac just around the corner at 330. Uh, Terry Bradshaw, who hates these Steelers, hates Mike Tomlin, we get it. He said some interesting things today. He said if the Steelers win a Super Bowl, it's going to be because of Le'Veon Bell. They need him to play. He needs to sign. I totally agree. It's really nice to talk about what a great story James Conner is, and he beat cancer and he went to Pitt. That doesn't make him the running back Lev Bell is, or even a fraction thereof. They could make the playoffs without Le'Veon Bell? Maybe. They ain't getting nowhere near a Super Bowl with James Conner's the number one running back. Then again, they might not get anywhere close with Lev Bell if he comes in and mails it in which is a distinct possibility to my mind. Bradshaw also said, this is funny. Remember remember on Sunday when Miles Garrett put his body weight on Ben and got the roughing the passer call, which since the NFL said shouldn't have been made, but that's a rule now. If you put your full body weight on the quarterback, it's roughing the passer. Bradshaw said, I would have appreciated don't pile on the quarterback with all your weight. I would have liked that rule. That's one of the funniest rules I've ever heard. Oh, by the way, before we get Dulac on, uh, they announced 102 nominees for the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2019 today. Among them, uh, Alan Fanica, Bill Cower, and Heinz Ward. I used to think Cower would definitely get in. Now I think he's less than 50-50 shot. I think Heinz Ward is less than 50-50 shot because so many wide receivers that aren't in have better stats. Fanica has been a finalist for what now a couple of years. He's got to get in. no three years a finalist. He's got to get in sooner or later. I just hope it's sooner because he's the best guard of his generation. He should have been first ballot, second ballot, at the very least. Jerry Dulac next one hundred five nine. Um, so it was sloppy, obviously with the penalties as well, uh, Mark. But you know, defensively, I thought they did some good things. Um, the one series. 
where the Browns uh, ran nine times for 76 yards. Obviously, not a good run defense uh, series. And Tyrod Taylor escaped uh, uh, several times, and that helped pad their 177 yards rushing. I think that statistic was misleading to a degree because I thought for most of the game, the run defense, it it just has to be passable, Mark. I I don't think it has to be dominating. I just think it has to be decent. Um, But, you know, blowing a 14-point lead, you know, in the last eight minutes is never a good thing. And uh, But one thing I've learned, Mark, I saw it last year in Chicago. You know, it was an ugly game. Early in the season, they went 13 and ended up going 13 and three. I saw it during their Super Bowl season where they were just humiliated in Philadelphia, 34 to three. Uh, I learned one, one thing, whether they won 34 to nothing or blew a 14 point lead. Uh, I don't worry too much, uh, uh, this early in the season, especially the season opener. It's September to me, it really is no indication of what December football is going to be. At least that's the way I look at it. Now, uh, here is one thing maybe to be worried about. Ben missed another day of practice today right. with that elbow. Uh, do we have anything to fear regarding his availability Sunday? Well, Mark, he, you, know, I, you know, I don't know if he's a good poker player or what, but he doesn't seem to be um, too bothered by the fact that he hasn't practiced. He acknowledged before practice that he wasn't going to practice. Um, I think David DeCastro obviously isn't going to play, and, and I think Joe Hayden obviously isn't going to play. But we need to see tomorrow. If Ben doesn't practice tomorrow, he will not play, not this early in the season, if that elbow is problematic. He had an MRI. I don't know the results, but I will tell you, obviously, it, was, it showed something that, that they didn't like to some degree. But I think tomorrow will be a, will be a, a better indication, Mark, of, of where his elbow is in terms of availability um, so, but yeah, it, obviously it wasn't just, oh, he took a little bump on his elbow, the normal bumps and bruises. It's a little more than that. Well, in that vein, Jer, Ben got hit a lot and held onto the ball for extended periods at Cleveland. Is that the result of Fickner replacing Haley? Because Ben always wanted, uh, Haley, excuse me, always wanted Ben to get the ball out quickly. Absolutely, Mark. And, you know, three, four years ago, I remember having this discussion with, with not only Todd Haley, but with uh, Art Rooney II, how, you know, at this point of his career, they're hoping he uses his brains more than his brawn, like like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. Turtle, get rid of the ball. Don't hold on to it. Don't try and make a play. But, Mark, you know as well as I, that's that's the gunslinger in him. You, you're just not going to change him, and that's what makes Ben Ben. And he's just going to hold the ball and try and make a play. And let's face it, most of that pressure was coming off the left side. Uh, you know, not only Miles Garrett, who had the majority of it, but on the play he was injured, it came off the left side with uh, Jannard Avery. Uh, so, um, you know, you know, this was the, you know, this is a guy who hadn't been sacked a whole lot against the Cleveland Browns in the last four or five games, but there were instances because of Miles Garrett where he was under a lot of pressure. Now, uh, James Conner was great, but he only had 14 yards in his last 10 carries, and of course, he put that crucial fumble on the ground. It's my understanding you talked to Randy Fickner a bit about the, the running back workload. Yeah, Mark, he said today, he acknowledged that, um, you know, when, uh, you know, asked about um, not, you know, uh, uh, James Conner was in, it was the only uh, running back slash halfback to play in the game. Uh, and he came out for like six plays, but in those instances, they went wide. Um, and he said, he goes, that's on a young coordinator. He says, I should have used some other running back. So I got a feeling you're going to see him pay a little bit more attention 
to at least giving, uh, you know, giving James Conner a rest here and there. Obviously, he was playing very well. You're on the road. Um, you know, one of your running backs is a rookie. Uh, so I didn't really expect to see him, but I thought you might see some of Stephen Ridley. I'd be willing to bet you'll see a few more plays with Stephen Ridley. Not a lot, but maybe, you know, maybe two, three, four carries. I think just to give, uh, just to give James Conner a rest. You know, there's a guy. He's not used to playing that much in the NFL, and for no other reason, in his very first game, you would think you would spell him a little bit. But, uh, you know, Fittner took the blame for that because he's the one responsible for how many guys are getting into the game and when. And uh, it sounded as though he just got caught up in his first game and, and kind of lost track of the fact that the other guys weren't getting in the game. We're talking to Jerry Dulac of the Post-Gazette here on 105.9 X. Now, you mentioned the defense before, and I agree. I thought the defense generally did okay. But what's the game plan going to be against Kansas City? Because the Chiefs have a diverse offense and a lot of weapons. Yeah, they really do. Obviously, uh, you know, obviously, Mark, a few more and a few few more proven ones than Cleveland, especially, and certainly one none as dangerous as Tyreek Hill. You know, uh, they didn't use Travis Kelsey uh, much at all. They targeted him five times. He only had one catch. Uh, for six yards, Sammy Watkins, who they brought in and signed, marked surprisingly to a big contract, given the fact he's been injured a lot in his uh, four years in the league. But, you know, he's only 25, and he just has tons of potential. You know, he was a top-five draft pick. I think he was fourth overall by Buffalo. But he's never kind of lived up to that. But he has that kind of ability. He gives them a guy who could stress the, stretch the field. And, and you know, Kareem Hunt was the NFL's leading rusher last year uh, as a rookie. So, uh, they got the guys offensively, and I think that I think kind of what is incongruous about Patrick Mahomes and this offense is with that strong arm, he'll attack down the field, and you know they're, they're they run that West Coast style. You know, I I said earlier in the week that you know if that were Alex Smith last week against the Chargers, he'd have been 22 of 27 for like 220 yards. Well, Patrick Mahomes was 15 of 27 for 250 yards. So I think you'll see him attack downfield anymore. But they'll still they'll still spread the field, uh, you know, run those wheel routes uh, uh, with uh, Tyreek Hill, and uh, you know, and, and stretch that Steeler defense. I don't think you'll see seven sacks this week, Mark. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that, and I tend to think that Hill is probably a bigger concern than, than Travis Kelsey. That's no knock on Kelsey, but the Steelers have done okay against him in the past, and Hill's the fastest guy in the league. Jer, honestly, it's been a long time since we've seen speed like his. Yeah, Mark, I'm with you. Um, and, you know, it's funny. In, in the three games that they faced Tyreek Hill, uh, he's done absolutely nothing. The most yards he's had against them, whether running or receiving, is 34 in those three games. Uh, he might have a short touchdown in the first game, but, you know, he has 13 touchdowns, Mark, of 58 yards or longer in just over two years in the league, two years in one game. And that's a remarkable number and, and for such big plays. And he hasn't hurt the Steelers like that at all. So whatever they've done against him, I would imagine they'll try to continue to do. But he has been a non-factor. And I'm with you with Kelsey. Kelsey. With the exception of Ron, uh, Rob Gronkowski, tight ends usually aren't beating you. They're an annoyance. They're helping to beat you. But they're not the reason for beating you. Uh, Tyreek Hill could be the reason for beating you. Now, it looks like Joe Hayden's not going to play. As yeah, you mentioned, he's not going to play. Right. How much does that hurt the Steelers? I like some of their young DBs. I really like Cam Sutton, but Hayden, being a veteran, I just feel like he's the glue of that secondary. Yeah, he is, Mark, and he, he. You know, I mean, he's arguably their best player back there, obviously because he's proven. 
so yeah, I think I think it's going to uh, hurt them. Um, I I I have liked what I've seen from Cam Sutton, and even though he gave up that touchdown the other day, that was Josh Gordon, you know, who's one of the elite receivers in the league when he can stay on the field. And you know, for the same reason uh, Denzel Ward gave up that touchdown to Antonio Brown, who made the great catch. That's the same thing. It's hard to blame Cam Sutton, and he came right back and made it. You know, made a pick on that on that final series to prevent them from, you know, trying to kick a field goal. So, yeah, I I like the young players they they have back there. You'll see Cody Sensabaugh uh, address this week. Um, but you know, when you don't have Joe Hayden and he's and you, you believe he's your best corner and and as you said, the kind of the glue in that secondary. Well, you're going to miss him. There's no question. Now the Castro's also hurt, but I'm not so worried there. Because B.J. Finney's a proven guy at guard. In fact, I've wondered if he's not better than Ramon Foster. Yeah, and, and you know, Mark, when he has played for Ramon Foster, the Steelers have had their biggest running games uh, in the last couple of years. So he is proven. They know it. Um, they don't worry about any drop-off. I mean, you're talking about an all-pro guard with David DeCastro. So there might be some from a pass rush. But I think the one thing with the Chiefs defensive linemen, especially on the interior, their pressure isn't coming from there. Their pressure is coming from the edge with Justin Houston and, and D Ford. So, uh, uh, so from a pass rush standpoint, I don't think it's going to hurt. And Finney obviously has proven that he's a, that he's a good run blocker. A guy can get out on the counter. And um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I don't, I don't think uh, there's going to be a big drop off there. TJ Watt had a great first game after switching to the left side and outside backer. Why does that change seem to suit Watt so much? You know, Mark, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, and we'll see going forward because it was only one game. But, you know, he's talking about a guy who didn't play the entire preseason and, you know, had those three sacks. You know, he had the one taken away from him. Uh, and, you know, and, and, he, and he blocked the uh, field goal. I think one of the things that they liked about him on that left side, you know, a lot was made of, of uh, Bud Dupree taking that outside rush and thinking that maybe he could get to the blind side of the quarterback if he's not seeing him, you know, that extra half second or one second where he's just missing the sack, well, maybe now he could get the sack. Part of the other reason why they moved it is because they felt that T.J. Watt had better inside moves. So, you know, whether going outside, he's not going to take that wide arc as much. He'll rush better to the inside. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's why that was the other reason they made that move. And you saw that in Cleveland. So I I think that's, uh, you know, I, I maybe it was just highlighted more but that's one of the things that they that they thought would be better, you know. In this three-step passing game in the NFL, the way to get to the quarterback, Marcus, you have to take it has to be inside pressure. That big wide arc just doesn't work unless you're playing against Jamarcus Russell with somebody who took those ridiculous seven seven-step drops. Those are out of the league, so I, I think that's the benefit with T.J. Watt. Did Le'Veon Bell not showing up rattle the Steelers? Was there any carryover to that game at Cleveland? No, not none whatsoever, whether positive or negative. Um, you know, I talked to some of the linemen about that, in particular David DeCastro said, hey, we get out there, we're, we're just playing football, you know, who, who, regardless of who the running back is. They're not blocking any harder. They're not, they're not disturbed or bothered to the point that they're blocking any less. Um, no, those guys are professionals, uh, Mark. That's why they've gotten this far. They know how to prepare. They know how to work. And those kinds of things uh, uh, just don't bother them. Were they happy that James Conner in his first start played the way he did? Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, they had that, you know, you can see the way the linemen, uh, Pouncey and Ramon Foster in particular, came over on that first touchdown, that four yard run. 
and we're excited for him. That wasn't, hey, way to go without Le'Veon Bell. That was just excitement for the, for the young kid who got in, got his first start, and, and played so well. So, no, I don't think that had any impact at all. Finally, do the Steelers really need to win against Kansas City? I know it's only week two, Jerry. I know it's early, but I think 0-1-1 would already feel like a hole. Yeah, yeah, Mark, especially, uh, you know, if the Ravens, who put up 47 points last week against Buffalo, go into Cincinnati and win tonight. Uh, you know, obviously, it's not it's not insurmountable, and it's not the end of the season, but I think it just points up, and not that the, the shift in power has occurred, but I think all of a sudden you are behind, and then, you know, you're spending a lot of time slash energy uh, slash games just trying to play uh, a little bit of catch up, you know. So, um, yeah, I, you know, it's not, it's certainly not must win, but I think after the way they finished last week in Cleveland, blowing that 14 point lead, um, yeah, the last thing you want to do is come out and lay an egg. And you know what? Especially if, if Ben plays, I, I don't expect that. I expect if Ben plays uh, for the Steelers to score a lot of points and it'd be somewhat of a high scoring game. What if he doesn't? Different story because now that the thing you you worried about and feared, you know you have no you have no proven quarterback in there in an NFL game. And Mark, you know the preseason and the regular season have very little in common. And uh, you know now it's a whole different animal. And we'll see if Josh Dobbs has to play. But you know it's a different story if you had Landry Jones there and you thought he was starting. You thought okay they might, they might not explode for thirty four points, but they might be able to put up twenty four. And I'm not saying that won't happen with Dobbs. But you don't have that same level level of comfort right now because you have more more questions and uncertainty based on the fact you haven't seen anything from them. Jerry, great stuff. Appreciate the time. We'll do it again next week. Mark, always good chatting with you, my friend. That's Jerry Dulac. Check out his fine football writing and fine golf writing in the Post-Gazette. Don't forget, if you like hearing me talk football, we have the Gateway Clipper. 105.9 The X pregame Steelers show this Sunday, 10.30 till 12.30, hosted by me, Mark Madden, live on the dock of the bay. Well, the dock of the Gateway Clipper fleet anyway. Be sure to tune in for that. 105.9 The X. As we learn talking to Jerry Dulac at the Post-Gazette, Ben Roethlisberger did not practice today. That's two days of no practice for Ben. That's obviously related to the elbow injury he talked about. And if he doesn't practice tomorrow, he is not going to play Sunday at home against Kansas City. Randy Fickner just talked about the Ben situation, and he said he didn't know if Ben would play. Now, that doesn't literally mean he doesn't know if Ben will play. But it certainly doesn't mean there's a guarantee Ben will play. And if Ben can't play, then guess what? Josh Dobbs. Be careful what you set your heart on. Or it will surely be yours. Josh Dobbs plays, they lose. Period. That's not to say they would have had a better chance. Well, they would have had a better chance. Better. With Landry Jones. Probably would have lost anyway. Definitely would lose with Dobbs. Might still lose the Ben plays. Because that's where the Steelers are at right now. Like Jerry mentioned, a candid admission by Randy Fickner that he kind of got caught up in the game as the new offensive coordinator. 
and didn't get the other running backs involved. So I don't expect Connor to get as many carries and play. He literally played every snap when a running back lined up in the backfield. That won't happen against Kansas City. I would assume Ridley and Samuels will see some action. You don't have to give him anything more than a series here and there. You don't even have to give him the ball. You just play them enough so Connor has that much more remaining in the tank for the fourth quarter, which he did not, as evidenced by his fumble and as evidenced by him getting just 14 yards on his last 10 carries. No quarter brought to you by CW Electrical Services. Make the switch at CWElectricalServices.com. Later on, I'm going to talk about some of the conspiracy theories attached to Lev Bell's absence, like the Flunka drug test notion. And I think those theories are all hogwash. But I will say this. If the Steelers had known Bell was going to no-show, I think they would have tried to trade him. If they would have known his plan was to not show up until week 9, week 11, whenever it turns out to be, I think they would have tried to trade him. And I think even right now, if there was an easy way out of this for the Steelers, they would ditch Bell. But the Steelers can't yank the franchise tag and have Bell go to New England for half a season. And the Steelers know. They don't want to know. Don't want to admit, but the Steelers know that without Bell, they have no chance at winning a Super Bowl. Not this year. If they reorganize next year after Bell leaves, and you have a plan for running back, and it's Connor and somebody you draft in the second or third round, you can rebound from losing Bell pretty quickly and still be in the hunt for a Super Bowl. But if they ditched Bell now, and it was Connor and Ridley and Samuels, no, no way. So at this point, the Steelers got to ride it out. You can see why they wouldn't want to, but you got to ride it out. We got Josh Joey talking hockey at 4.30. I'll talk a bit of hockey at the top of the hour during Fairies Wear Boots. If we're just tuning in, the San Jose Sharks got Eric Carlson from Ottawa in exchange for two regulars, neither much accomplished. The best being Chris Tierney, the center. Two prospects, a first round, a second round, and two conditional draft picks. All the hockey experts are saying the Senators got robbed. I don't know what you're going to get for Carlson with one year left on his deal that exceeds the pack at San Jose game. One year left on the deal being the key ingredient, and who knows if San Jose will sign him long-term? Who knows? Let's go to Diamond Dave in Baden. Diamond Dave, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hey, thanks, Mark. Yep. Uh, hey, when are people going to be realistic and admit that, that Connor and Rudolph are, are going to be the ones who take us into the deep, deep into the playoffs? Okay, when are if, they gonna... if Connor's a regular, the Steelers are screwed. Bell needs to come back. And Mason Rudolph? Mason Rudolph hasn't taken an NFL snap, and you think he should replace Ben? No, but I think he should replace uh, Dobbs. 
Well, how will he take the Steelers deep into the playoffs? As you just said, you stupid, pathetic old bastard, if Ben's still there starting. Well, you're right. I am little, and you're fat. Oh, I know I'm fat, but you're a stupid, pathetic old idiot that just said that the key to the season was Mason Rudolph and Josh Dobbs. So thank you for calling. You're welcome. <laughs> You know what's funny? I'm already getting some tweets. Well, I hope if Ben can't play, they're going to start Rudolph. No. They're going to start Dobbs. And there's no point debating it. You know, there's a small part of me hope Ben can't play. Okay, it's a real big part of me. 105.90X.